Often when we think about good shepherds, we think primarily about the things that they do. And that's important for us to think about the tasks that shepherds are involved in. In fact, a lot of times when we have a shepherd ordination service, we've done it a couple of times since I've been here, I have a message that I like to preach where I, I look at what I'll call a shepherd's tools. And so I'll have a little vial of oil and I'll talk about the role of prayer in the life of an elder or a shepherd. And I'll quote that passage of scripture out of the book of James. The Lord's brother says in James chapter 5, is any of you sick? And then he says, let him call the elders of the church to pray over them and to anoint them with oil. And then in that same message, I'll hold up a Bible and I'll talk about how the Bible is important to a shepherd. It's an important tool. Because part of the shepherd's role is to be a steward of the gospel, is to make sure that this word is preached and proclaimed. And part of their role is to share this word with members of the flock. And then I'll all the time, a lot of times bring up a towel. And I'll talk about how shepherds are to be servants. And then a lot of times I will help them to understand. We'll look in John chapter 13. We'll see how that uh, Jesus, how he washed the disciples' feet. And the emphasis there is not on the authority of a leader who rules, but I'll often point out it's on the humility of a leader who serves. It's not so much about, about status, but it's about service. That's what an elder is to do. And so as we think about elders and think about the things that they do, that's important. But today I want us to talk for just a moment not about the things that shepherds do, but I want us to think more in terms of who they are. I want us to think in terms of what is the character of an elder or a shepherd. Now, we began our series three weeks ago uh, with a message called A Shepherd's Care. And we spent time in Psalm 23, and we said, really, as we think about good shepherds, their model is the good shepherd. And we saw how that a shepherd is someone who, who leads us to green pastures, uh, helps us to be beside quiet, still waters. A shepherd loves the sheep and knows the sheep. And then last week, Wilson, in a very fine message, looked at a shepherd's call. And he spent time in 1 Peter chapter 5. And to be a shepherd is a high and holy calling. It is, it is filled with blessing. That's one of the things I want to say. A lot of times we talk about the seriousness and the gravity of, of their role, and that's certainly the case, but I also want us to understand how fulfilling and, and uh, what a wonderful blessing it is to be able uh, to be with God's people shepherding them. We said last week that a shepherd's role is very important because really they're shepherding in light of eternity. The things that shepherds do are important are significant. But today, as, as I said a moment ago, we're going to take a look at a shepherd's character. Now, earlier in the year, when we looked at leadership more generally, one of the things we talked about is that often, if we're not careful, we can spend all of our time talking about a competence or skill, or we can talk about some strategy. In fact, if you go into Christian bookstores and you read books on leadership, that's what you're going to hear about. You're not going to hear so much about character. General H. Norman Schwarzkopf, 
Some of you remember him. He was a general who led our troops into the desert, the first desert storm conflict. He said something that I used in that first sermon about leadership that I think is so significant. He said, and this is a general speaking, he said, leadership is a potent combination of strategy and character. But if you must be without one, be without strategy. Now, as I said, that's a general. And generals uh, aren't fly-by-the-seat-of-their-pants kind of people. Generals are all about strategy. And yet, Schwarzkopf said, when you think about leadership, what's most important is character. Now, I believe the Apostle Paul would agree with the general. Because when Paul writes to the church in Crete, and when he writes to the church in, in Ephesus, one of the things that, that Paul talks about first when he begins talking about leadership is he begins talking about character. Character is important because of this. How we lead grows out of who we are. And so if we're harsh and overbearing, our leadership will reflect that. You see, leaders set the tone and set the pace for the church. If leaders are small and petty, well, the church will reflect that. If there's disunity within the elders in the broader church, a lot of times you will see that. But on the other hand, if, if leaders are prayerful men, if leaders are spiritual men, if leaders are those folks who care about people, then that will be seen in the church. The church simply cannot progress beyond the level of her leadership. So what kinds of people is the Lord looking for when we think about ordaining or setting apart elders? And so to answer that question, I want us to look at a couple of the uh, profiles for elders. Uh, there are two of them found in um, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1. Uh, and we're going to really, uh, we heard Titus read just a moment ago, but we're just going to reflect on, on both of those lists as we think about and as we strive to draw a composite picture of the kind of people that the Lord will be raising up uh, to um, serve alongside of our current elders. Now, the first thing Paul emphasizes, both in, in the letter to Timothy and in, in his writings to Titus, is that an elder must be a spiritually mature man of integrity. To, to Timothy, he says, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, uh, he must be a person who's above reproach. And to Titus, he says in 1.6, he says an elder must be blameless. Now, he's not saying that an elder must be perfect, but he is saying that an elder must be consistent. And really, if you think about it, all the other traits, all the other characteristics that we're going to look at today grow out of this idea of a shepherd being above reproach or an elder being blameless. It's, it's like, here's what that really looks like. So let's think about that word blameless. Simply, it means, obviously, without blame. There's no outstanding charge. Now, let me say this very clearly. This does not imply a person is without flaws or critics. Under the light of scrutiny, every one of us uh, will be flawed. But this does mean he will be a person of integrity and consistency. What that means is 
He's not the kind of person that's leading a double life. Uh, He's not one way at church and another way at, at, at the workplace and still another way around his friends. You see, for me, it's very easy to comport myself one way in front of you all, to look spiritual and open my Bible and be very, very nice. But quite honestly, you get to know who I am when you talk to my wife or when you talk to people who work with me, like John Reynolds or Johnny Markham. Uh, That's when you really start to know who I am. You see, this person that we're talking about is someone who has a consistent character both within the church and also among outsiders. In fact, Paul speaks to this when he writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 7. He says he must also have a good reputation among outsiders. What do his co-workers say about him? I remember one time when I was preaching in another place uh, many, many years ago, and we ordained a certain person to be one of our elders. And um, I happened to be out in the community speaking with someone, and we were talking about various things, making small talk. We started talking about the church, and somehow this new elder's name came up. And, uh, and then I, I said, in fact, this person that we're talking about, th- this person is one of our new elders. And the woman looked at me and said, really? And I could tell by the way she responded to me that she was somewhat su- surprised about this person being an elder. So I said to her, so does, does that surprise you? And she said, well, quite honestly, it does. I, I, I work with him. And she said, he's just so angry. In fact, around the office, people perceive him to be a real bully. He's just just a tyrant, flying off the handle all the time. And quite frankly, my heart sank at that point. He did not have a very good reputation among outsiders. Now, in contrast to that, Paul is describing someone who's who's above reproach, who's thought of well within the body, but also outside in the community. But there's something else. An elder is to be a spiritually mature man in his home. Now, both lists emphasize the family life of the leader. Now, this is not just some box to check off and say, has this person, has this person been married or does this person have, have children? This is important because an elder's first flock is his own family. Or let me say it like this. You learn to shepherd by first shepherding your family. Paul says parenthetically in 1 Timothy chapter, uh, uh, in verse 5 of 1 Timothy 3, he says, if anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? You see, the church, the, the family is a microcosm of the church. The family is a little church. And maybe we could think of dad as the family pastor. Both in Timothy and in Titus, Paul begins, as he talks about the the family life of the leader, he begins by talking about that primary relationship in the family, and that is the relationship that he has with his wife. In fact, he'll use a phrase, he says, that an elder is to be faithful to his wife. Some of your Bibles might read, the husband of one wife. Literally, it means this. He's a one-woman kind of man. Now, what does that mean? 
This again speaks to who he is. It speaks to his character. Does he only have eyes for his wife? Is he devoted to her? Does he love her well? Or is he kind of a flirt? Maybe even a womanizer. Does he treat women uh, and generally well? And And specifically, does he treat his wife with honor and respect? Or is he kind of the, pers- the kind of person that just kind of moves from one relationship to another relationship to another relationship? He's not a one-woman kind of man then. But then Paul moves beyond that to talk about the kind of relationship he has with his kids. Do his kids believe? After years of watching mom and dad live out their faith, living under the same roof, do the kids see a faith that's winsome and attractive? Are they, are they drawn to this individual's faith, are they drawn to that? Is this, kind of, is this the kind of person that nurtures faith in his kids? Does he read the Bible at home with his children? Was he the sort of person that had important conversations about faith with his kids? Are his kids out of control? Now, it does not mean that an elder's children will always be perfect. Kids will be kids. And quite honestly, adult children have minds of their own and they can reject everything that has been taught to them. But the real question is, has he been the kind of leader who takes an active interest in training and nurturing faith in his family? Is he the kind of person that, as Paul describes, brings them up in the training and instruction of the Lord? You see, the elder needs to be a spiritually mature man, and and this is seen in how he interacts with his wife and his kids. But next, Paul mentions a number of negative traits that are found, and I want us to look primarily in Titus chapter 1 and verse 7. And all of these traits have to do with how well we manage ourselves. You see, one of the things about an elder, before an elder manages or shepherds anyone else or leads anyone else, the question is, can that person manage himself? Does that person lead himself well? And so, for instance, an elder is not to be overbearing, When a a person is overbearing, he's the kind of individual that it's his way or the highway. He has a hard time working well with others. Doesn't get along well with others. He's pushy. He always has to be right. His way always has to be taken. Well, that's overbearing. He's not to be quick-tempered. Now, we know what that means. He's not the kind of person that flies off the handle all of the time. This is the sort of person who's who's quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, as James describes the person in James chapter 1 and verse 19. Both Timothy and Titus say he is not to be given to drunkenness. Again, this is about how we manage ourselves and manage our own desires. He is not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. All of these describe someone who's learned the discipline of self-control, who has a certain maturity about them. Now, in contrast to those negative qualities, Paul, in Titus chapter 1 and verse 8, mentions a number of positive traits. And so an elder is to be hospitable. Literally, this this means love of strangers. This means the leader takes a genuine interest in the concerns of, of others. He takes an interest in making them feel welcome and at, at home, welcome and at ease. Elders are hospitable. 
And the interesting thing is, as leaders, as elders and ministers take the lead in being hospitable, then the church, it becomes more welcoming. The church becomes more vibrant. Hospitality is seen in simple acts. Simple acts like having dinner with someone in your home. Simple acts like spending time having conversation out in the foyer before and after service. It's no wonder that the words hospitality and hospital sound alike. Both those words come from the same Latin root, and both have to do with health and healing. Hospitals are about health and healing, and when we offer hospitality to one another, we find a measure of health and healing in those relationships. That's who an elder is to be. But Paul tells Titus also he is to be one who loves what is good. I think I've mentioned before that one of my favorite parts of our elders' meetings, once a month on Monday evenings, we come together for two or three hours, uh, depending on what's all on the agenda. But one of the first things that's always on the agenda in those meetings is when we get together just to bless people. See, elders love to hear about wonderful things going on in the life of the church. And we love to put our hands on folks and pray over folks who are doing important work, not only in our church, but also in the community. Elders love what is good. They love talking about hearing answered prayers. They love hearing about students who are fired up for Jesus. Uh, They love hearing about how how relationships, marriages are thriving. They, They love hearing about good things An elder is one who loves what is good. An elder is also self-controlled. Now, this is a beautiful fruit of the Spirit. When the Spirit lives inside us, we learn to say no to destructive habits and behaviors, and we learn to say yes to all that God has for us, all the beautiful things that the Lord lays out before us. And finally, an elder is upright, not uptight, but upright, holy, and disciplined, He doesn't give in to his impulses. This is a mature person who has learned to manage himself. But there's one other area that Paul mentions, and it's in Titus chapter 1 and verse 9. An elder will be a spiritually mature man which is seen in how he holds firmly to the message of the Scripture. Now, as I began this sermon, one of the things I said at the very beginning was that one of the important tools for any elder is is the Word of God. An elder has a high view of Scripture. Paul says this to Titus in verse 9. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught. Well, why? Well, then Paul tells us in the next phrase, so that he can encourage others through sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound doctrine merely means healthy teaching. A good shepherd knows the importance of healthy teaching. A good shepherd recognizes healthy teaching, understands healthy teaching, and he promotes that. A good shepherd understands that in the Word of God, there are all sorts of promises. And when we find ourselves in a dark and discouraged place, that good shepherd is able to turn to those passages of Scripture to help us see those promises and live out those promises. A good shepherd knows that marriages thrive when they're built on godly foundations. 
And so they make sure that that healthy teaching is preached and proclaimed. A good shepherd knows when this word is read and studied and memorized, the Holy Spirit can take that word and do things with it. And that person can grow and mature in ways like never before because of the power of the word of God. We're to hold firmly to this word. We tr- it is trustworthy. This message, the gospel, the good news of Jesus is a trustworthy message. Elders understand that. And elders stand opposed to anything that contradicts and goes against this beautiful message, this healthy teaching we find in scripture. You know, I've worked with a number of elderships in my life in about three or four different churches. And one of the things I've found in every church I've worked with is that we're not careful, we can make things just a little bit too complex. And so really, what, what is a shepherd? Well, let me tell you a story. Brenda Nixon was a woman who was deeply discouraged. Uh, it was around Christmas time, and her husband's job was, was flimsy. It, it looked like he was going to be laid off from the factory he worked in. Not having enough money around Christmas time, that's a very stressful thing. She had a lot of stressors in her life. And one of the stressors she had was down at the church, she was teaching little three-year-olds. Now, she loved that ministry, but can we just all agree that sometimes teaching a a room of busy three-year-olds can be just a little bit stressful? It was around Christmas time, and she had the teacher's booklet, and she saw the lesson for that particular Sunday was on the Good Shepherd. And she thought to herself, what does this have to do with Christmas? Here we are, we're we're all thinking about the birth of Jesus, and we're going to talk about shepherds. And so she was a little negative, and frankly, her life was kind of negative because of all the things going on in her life. But nonetheless, she took the teacher's booklet, and she went and she was interacting with this little rowdy group of three-year-olds. And so when the, you know, the the activity part of the lesson went, went fine, they were, you know, gluing cotton balls, you know, on all these little sheep and and that, that was fine. And, and, and finally, she, they all got their juice boxes and, 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 and crackers, and, and they ate that. And she cleaned up the messes and the spills. And it was finally time for her to have the Bible lesson. And so she gets them in a circle. There she is, these little three-year-old children. She, they sat in this circle, and she asked a simple question. She looked at them and says, what, what is a good shepherd? And one little rosy-cheeked, boy said he picks up his sheep when they fall down try to get real complex but when you think about what is a shepherd it's someone who loves us enough to pick us up when we struggle to pick us up when we fall down and many of you in this room have had that experience with with a shepherd and in just a little bit, when, you're, when you leave and you have a form in the back where you will have an opportunity to recommend possible men to serve as shepherds, you probably want to be thinking about those people who are in your life, those men, who loved you enough to pick you up when you fell down. And here's the good news. God is that way in our life. The good news is Jesus has come into this world and he is our good shepherd. The good news is when we fall down, Jesus comes looking for us and he picks us up and he brings us back to the fold. Today, if you find yourself far away from God, understand you have a good shepherd and his name is Jesus. 
and he loves you and he is the greatest shepherd of all today if you're far away from god if you have a need we can help you with i'll be down front we'll have a shepherd and his wife in the back to receive you as well if you need to become a christian if you need to be baptized or if there's some other need we can help you with we would love to help you today if you, if you have a need we can help you with come as we stand and sing this song of encouragement